Ladies and gentlemen, all aboard. I'm Kent Garrison, and this is Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week, we discuss movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and break down a movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen it, because we will warn you before we go into spoilers. And remember, you can find all of our episodes online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is Snowpiercer. This is your world. The train saved humanity. The engine lasts forever. The population must always be kept in balance. Before we begin, I do want to mention that we will be discussing Transformers Age of Extinction this week, and that episode should be available in the next few days. I want to welcome everybody to this special bonus edition of the Mad About Movies podcast. Today, I am pleased to welcome into the show, great friend of the show, uh, for a long time, he has written into the show. We have been on his show, so it's about time that we uh, welcome him on to Mad About Movies. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mr. Brandon Luna. Hello. Hello, everybody. Brandon, I want to say to you, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Sorry, I had to Yeah, that. that's okay. <laughs> Brandon is the host of the Calypso Cigar Review podcast which is an excellent podcast, not only if you're into cigars, but if you're into life in general, you will definitely enjoy their conversations. Uh, they're a local podcast from here in Dallas, Texas, and uh, we got to know them through uh, the Reddit podcast forum this past year, and Brandon was so kind uh, to invite Richard and I onto their show and to hang out in their little cigar shop there, the Calypso Cigar Shop uh, in Richardson, Texas. So if you are in Dallas, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and you enjoy cigars, definitely check out their little shop there. And so they invited us in, and we talked a lot of movies and had a, and smoked a cigar and had a really great time just kicking back uh, with the guys and, and podcasting like, like you do. So um, it's been a long time coming here, and this wasn't a movie that we had initially planned on doing for the podcast, but Brandon brought it to my attention and um, supplied us with a screener copy of the of the movie, and um, I'm I'm really happy to talk about this because this is not one that I really saw coming. It wasn't originally on our schedule, so man, I, I can't wait to talk about this. But before we dive right into the Snowpiercer talk, Brandon, I want to do like we do with all of our guests and just get to know you a little bit and your movie knowledge and movie tastes. Why don't you talk to us about um, what kind of films? Got you into movies. Uh, what specific films uh, piqued your interest in movies, um, maybe at a young age? Or when did you start to really look at movies in a critical light? Um, well, I'm a child of the 70s, so I grew up with a lot of really great cinema. Um, my parents were both big movie fans, and um, I was brought up going to the cinema all the time. Now, back in the 70s, you had a lot of movies showing at colleges. They would actually bring prints in and show them in colleges. Mm -hmm. So I was exposed to uh, movies like, you know, Spartacus and um, Casablanca and all these, like, epic films back then, Lawrence of Arabia. Wow. And those were kind of the movies that I saw in the theater for the first time that really made me love movies. Uh, but it wasn't until 1977 
when I'm sure you can imagine what movie I saw that just kind of flipped my lid and made me into a total movie nerd. And that movie was Star Wars. Wow, cool. I, I don't know. I think I remember in our conversation that you weren't too fond of or too big a fan of Star Wars, if I'm remembering correctly. Now, was that was that your co-host, Randy? or That's me? that's Randy. Okay. Uh, Randy's the the Randy's a Mr. I love independent movie guy. Um, <laughs> he's all about the independent movies and it's either independent or Kevin Costner and he's there. So <laughs> that's that's kind of his uh, genre. Of choice. Yeah, really. well, I mean, if you're not going to like Star Wars, I mean, that's basically all that's left is Costner movies and independent <laughs> movies. So uh, I just right, can't right. see how you cannot like Star Wars. I mean, it's one thing to be a huge fan of it and to be obsessed. I can see that you cannot be like that, but to just not like it, especially for a guy, you know, and somebody that obviously grew up with the trilogy and uh, the prequels and everything. So I, that's just crazy to me. That you don't meet many people like that. I, I agree. I agree. I think a lot of it is dependent on on your upbringing and if you have parents that are big in film or not. I know for him, he kind of had to develop his own love of film as he progressed and aged because his parents weren't really big in movies. Um, so that's probably part of it. Um, he's just not a big blockbuster movie guy, and I'm like the complete opposite of that. I like actually kind of like everything. Um, I grew up with the big blockbuster summer movies like Jaws and all this stuff. Uh-huh. But at the same time, my dad was real heavy into martial arts, so I grew up also with like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan and that stuff. So cool. I had a, a big exposure to foreign films early on, and then I kind of latched onto Akira Kurosawa and a bunch of other stuff like that, uh, even French cinema. So I'm all over the place, man. I mean, if you were to list my top 20 movies, it would be not only, you know, American hardcore stuff like Star Wars, but it would also be, you know, um, Cage Mushka and a bunch of other stuff like that that's just yeah. out there. So so you're a big classic movie guy as well. Big into yeah. the Criterion type movies, the Force. AFI top 100 list type movies, stuff like that. Yeah, and I've, I've got a crap ton of Criterion on, on even on Laserdisc still, but I wow. did quite a few of them on dvd as well but um you know it's not only what i watch i mean i watch everything um you know i i like harry potter stuff i like um you know the, some of the hunger game the first hunger games movie i haven't seen the second one yet still um but you know i i tend to go for everything but we had this conversation i guess you read my letter um i have recently switched to where i mostly wait for video um just because i do have a home theater i have a 120 inch screen and you know i tend to watch my movies up there um, but I still go to the film, the cinema, to see um, bigger movies. Um, now, one that I did skip this summer, and I'm kind of kicking myself. No, wait, wait, wait. Rewind, rewind. 120-inch uh. screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, so is that a projection setup? How, is that, what, how does that work? I've never yeah. even heard of such a thing. Yeah, it's a DLP projector. Uh, it's okay. 1080p, you know, high-def projector with 120-inch screen. And then I've got the Blu-ray going and the you know, 7.17. Oh, my goodness. Stuff, so. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've had that since, honestly, I was in my 20s. I always had a projector um, just because I was such a big movie nerd that I wanted to see movies big. Um, so I was even, you know, early adopter on that stuff. You know, when those projectors were gigantic, remember those ones? I don't know if you ever saw those, if you ever grew up with those, but they were like yeah. three three lights, you know, coming out of them and they weighed like 80 pounds. Right. Yeah, I, I had one. <laughs> they still have those on a couple of, of airplanes that I've been on, like yeah, the RGB they, projectors <laughs> that are clearly like... 25 years old. It's, exactly. You know yeah. you're in for a good flight when you go on board and see one of those hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Those are probably on Southwest. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. You're right. But so talk to me a little bit about some movies that you've seen recently. I know you're into classic cinema, but 
Oh, say over the past year, since last summer and this year so far, what are some ones that have impressed you? I know you said you don't go to the movies a lot. Well, maybe talk about why that is here in a second. But um, so what movies have you liked just in the recent past? Um, I liked Godzilla a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a big Godzilla nerd too, though, and I was a big fan of that. Um, I really did enjoy um, Edge of uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which you guys actually, I went and saw that because of you guys in the theater. Cool. Um, still, I, I you know, and I hate to say this because I know these movies are garbage, but I, I want to see the new Transformers movie because right. I grew up playing with those toys, and I also think their Michael Bay movies are just the epitome of, you know summer movies they're 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 not great movies you're not going to remember them in five years but they're fun to see in the theater because they're just big noisy fun um they're not good movies at all though do i have them on blu-ray yes unfortunately i do but um you know i tend to like the big the big blockbuster stuff Um, but i also like you know the the stuff that goes up for oscars i was a big fan of gravity i thought that was a very well-made movie but i'm also a big fan of that director and the whole mexican cinema movement those guys are putting out some really great stuff and uh, I'm a big fan of a lot of the, the foreign movies. I like a lot of what's coming out of Korea, actually. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that you liked Godzilla because that not a lot of people liked it. I mean, that's, that's a movie that's been pretty polarizing this year, I would say. Um, I was surprised the amount of dislike there was for that movie. Uh, to me, that's, that's everything that I wanted it to be in, in that type of movie. So did you feel that way? Did you have high expectations for it or – I kind of knew what it was going to be going in because I heard they were kind of going with the original premise of it's not about Godzilla. It's more about the situation and the people. Um, So I kind of knew what it was going in. And I was expecting probably less of a movie than I got um, because I wasn't really a big fan of the the other reboot with with, um, Matthew Broderick. That was just – horrible um <laughs> to say the and, least yeah <laughs> yeah and i was i was pleasantly surprised by the new one and uh, very happy with the direction that they went with it and i be i was a fan of monsters anyway um mm-hmm. from that same director and um, i thought he did a very good job with that film it's funny because it got criticism for not showing godzilla enough but that just would have cheapened it in my opinion that would have made it too Michael Bay E. I know that that's a weird term and it was a summer movie, but I felt like it was sprinkled with just the right amount of character and, and monster for my yep. tastes. And it was just so well shot and well done. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I mean, that same director did the same thing with, uh, with monsters as well. You don't really uh-huh. get to see the monsters that much until the end. And it just makes it that much more special, you know, to me as a moviegoer at least. And, and Godzilla, it's funny because I've talked to a lot of people that have seen the movie and like the first day after they saw it, they're like, Oh, it was great. I loved it. And it's one of those movies that I guess after over analysis, it kind of, you start to knock it down a few pegs. And Uh I've I've even talked to people that liked it when they saw it, when I saw it and don't like it now. And it's like, are you just going based on what other people are saying? Are you making your own decision that, you know, it's kind of weird how that happens. Yeah. That's kind of the opposite with me. I, I was so high on it right when I saw it. I was just, my adrenaline was pumping when I left the theater. I was like, dude, that was, that was epic. That's all I could think. And then like we got on the podcast and did an episode on it. And the more that I thought about it and talked about it, the more that I liked it. <laughs> I just kept remembering all these little homages to Spielberg and, and how great some of the, some of the action scenes were like, like with Godzilla um, like they're in the airport and they see Godzilla like walk across the runway and stuff like that. There was just <laughs> yeah. so it was just so well composed and well done. Yeah, very much so. I, I got a couple of spine tingling moments in that movie, which you know is rare for me in the theater nowadays. 
So one more thing I want to talk about or ask you about before we talk Snowpiercer is you said you weren't that big into going into the theater. I know you mentioned that a little bit earlier, but could you, I guess, expound on that thought a little bit? What has your experience been like? I mean, you obviously have been going to the theater for a long, long time mm-hmm. uh, since since Star Wars came out. So how has it changed for you? Um, I got to admit one thing that I didn't mention in that letter and that I do have kids. So okay. I think that plays part of it. Um, when I do go to the movies now, you know, it's it's How to Train Your Dragon 2. It's whatever the new Pixar movie is. And that's most of my movie going experience nowadays. It, it A lot of it falls to time. I mean, if I could, if I had the time to go to every movie that came out that I wanted to see, I would definitely do that. With the exception of horror movies and comedies, because I, I really do think with my vast experience of movie going, that those two movies... I tend to like better at home because you just mm-hmm. miss so much because of audience interaction. Now, sometimes that's good, but with comedies, I mean, you can miss so many jokes going to see a movie in the theater. Um, unless you do like what I do, which is you go in either into an earlier showing or first showing on the weekend before anybody's really there. So you can enjoy the movie without a lot of interruptions. Um, so that's a big part of it for me is the interruption factor. And um, it's not even really cost. You know, there's so many theaters that you can go to that are actually not, that bad if you go to the early bird specials um so that's not really an issue for me it's just that i can see it large at home i've got good sound at home um it's blu-ray i don't have to worry about you know anything causing it to like a tear in the screen or you know people making noise or me dropping my popcorn you know that type of thing so that's really it for me um that's sure yeah we we maybe mentioned on the show before i can't remember what episode but brian gill had a friend who said he had like eight kids or something like that. And so for him to go to a movie literally cost him over a hundred bucks, like (laughs) every time just to go see a movie with his family. So I, I, the the prices definitely don't help, but I'm like you, I'll hit an early bird special. I'll, I'll hit a 10 AM on a, on a weekday or something like that. If my schedule allows it or something, there are workarounds. Don't yeah, you know, go sure. online and don't don't go to the like I don't know if they have these at theaters by you but they have this extreme extreme screen or something I mean it's a bigger screen but it's the same projector pretty much so it, it's the same resolution print it's just blown up so in my opinion it looks even worse because it's just stretched out to a bigger screen does that make sense Yeah it's so, those XD XD cinema Yeah that's what it's called yeah Yeah so there are a lot of gimmicks out there I think the IMAX is still worth it as long yeah. as you – if you do your due diligence and you realize that they shot some of it in IMAX like they did for like you know Dark Knight Rises and those type of movies, then, then it is probably worth the extra bucks for you to go see that um, and probably even 3D. Um, but yeah, you know the XD stuff I'm not real big on. I tell you what, there's a, there's a theater in McKinney that I go to that's really inexpensive and uh, they show first-run movies. You can go there first thing in the morning for the early bird special and pay like three twenty-five. Wow. And that's ridiculous. You know, that's unheard of. And uh, go to an evening showing at 625. So there's theaters you can find that make it affordable for family people like myself. And uh, to tell you the truth, the last two movies I saw in the theater, How to Train Your Dragon 2 and Maleficent. (laughs) Nice. I liked How to Train Your Dragon 2. I did. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I liked both those movies. Those are both very good movies. Cool. Well, uh hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. 
All the food is fresh, it's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Um, Brandon, let me uh, say without further ado... Uh, let's talk about Snowpiercer. This chaos. A thousand people in an iron box. 18 years I've hated the train. 18 years I've waited for this moment. Okay, well, you are familiar with our the format of our show, Brandon. And so, to start off here, I just want you to give initial impressions of this uh, without going into spoiler specifics, uh, plot uh, specifics and, and such. Um, just give me your overall initial impressions of this. What were you expecting and how did you sort of feel about this immediately after you watched it on your 120 inch theater screen? <laughs> um, I was very impressed with this film. I am a fan of the director already. So I kind of have a unfair advantage in that I did like, um, see his other films. Uh, the, the director, if you don't know, his name is, um, John Ho Bong. I don't know how you say that. If it's Bong John Ho or not. Right. But, he did uh, Mother, he did uh, The Host, not the crappy American one, but the Korean one. And uh, so I went in expecting a good film. Uh, I got a little bit more than I expected. It didn't feel like a foreign movie to me. It felt more like an American action movie, sci-fi. And uh, I was very impressed with that. I don't know how you felt. That's, that's the wording I would have used, man. I was just – I was expecting a lot, to be honest, because like you said, I, I was familiar with this director and – I had sort of looked into the premise of the film. Uh, I saw the trailer to it uh, a couple months ago and was like, man, that looks really, um, it really interested me um, on that front. But I was far more impressed with it and I liked it a lot more than I expected to. I mean, this was a, this is a great little action sci-fi film. It, I mean, there's not much to complain about here and and I'll, and I'll try to uh, try to think of some complaints as we, as we go further with this review, but wow, how impressive and how fun this movie was. Uh, it's just such a great vision by this director. Um, I understand that 
it was maybe an adaptation. Uh, what do you know about the source material here? Was it? Is it, it is. Original? It is. It is based on a, a French comic. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's based on a graphic novel from France that he happened to get given to him on a trip there, and just fell in love with it and bought the property and wanted to make the movie. So it was. It was really really fun and. I'll, I'll go into specifics here later, but I mean, overall, I was just extremely impressed with this. I mean, just visually, it was stunning. Um, the setting is not too broad. I mean, it's really only set on one in one location. <laughs> um, but I mean, within that location, there are, are several settings, which I thought was really creative. And we'll also t- um, talk specifics about that. But man, overall, just really impressed with this movie. It was everything that I wanted it to be and more. Uh, chock full of action and great performances. So on that note, what were some performances that stood out to you? Um, Are you a fan of Chris Evans? You know, I wasn't. He's one of those actors that's kind of earned my respect um, as he's progressed as an actor. When he first was doing his, you know, first couple of roles, he was just kind of the, the goofy American guy that gets some funny lines and doesn't really try a whole lot you know when you're talking about the the johnny storm stuff and right and you know as he progressed um he did a couple of uh more dramatic roles that i thought he actually uh, pulled off pretty well um i liked him in puncture which i didn't even want to see at the time but i was forced to watch and i actually enjoyed him in that um i thought he did great obviously in captain america and the avengers um, and he's he's you know he's progressing. I don't think he's necessarily a great actor, but I really think they got a great performance out of him in this movie. They got a great performance out of him, and especially near the end. And when we go into spoilers, we can discuss that. Yeah, I think Chris Evans has really sort of figured out what types of movies he can do, and and not be a, that obnoxious guy. You know, um, <laughs> I found him extremely obnoxious in the Fantastic Four series. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was. I was like, "Who is this guy? And why won't he shut up?" <laughs> you know, exactly. It was exactly. just such the wrong way to go about that character. And hopefully, Josh Trank can do it justice when he directs the the rebooted Fantastic Four with Michael B. Jordan in the role of Johnny Storm. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually kind of excited about that casting because I, I you know I was everybody's like, "Oh, he's you know black. What are they doing?" I'm like, "Who cares? The guy's a good actor. He was great." In several movies, then I liked him in um, God, what was that one with the like a superhero first person thing? Chronicle. Um, Chronicle, yeah. Same director, yes. Oh, okay, excellent. Yeah. So, looking forward to that one, and 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 it's supposed to have sort of a found footage feel to it uh-huh. as well, and it stars Jamie Bell as the Thing, <laughs> who is in this movie Snowpiercer. Yeah, well, and I've always sort of been a, a, a fan of Jamie Bell. Yeah, me don't, too. Don't know if he's really found the role yet, that breakout role. That's sort of going to define him and, and put him into that upper echelon of young, up-and-coming actors. I mean, he's done big movies. He's uh, He was in King Kong, which was yep. a huge movie. He played Tintin, but mm-hmm. it was a mocap performance, so no one yeah. knew it was him. <laughs> I actually – I love that movie. Tintin is awesome. Yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, you know, he, he makes movies that are unwatchable, watchable, like Jumper. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Oh, man, I forgot he was in Jumper. He was the best thing about Jumper. The rest of that movie was garbage. Yeah, it was garbage. Wow. So really cool little team-up between Chris Evans and Jamie Bell here. The way the movie starts out was fantastic. I think the setup here was was spectacular. And just a little eerie note here. The train, I guess, started off or started going um, on July the 1st, 2014, and here Brandon Luna and I are on this podcast talking Snowpiercer. 
on uh, July the 1st, 2014. Coincidence? So, such a strange... I think not. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that's ever happened to me in the history of my movie watching. Like, <laughs> oh, that's today. <laughs> Insane. But that was just yeah, a little sure. crazy. Um, to start off the movie, to start off my experience watching this movie, that was... Um, pretty insane. So the, what did you think of the setup here? What did you think of the overall premise of this? I mean, it seems a little bit far-fetched. Like if you saw the trailer and you're like, oh, it's just, they're on a train. Oh, okay, cool. And it's this dystopian apocalyptic future. Okay. Uh, yeah. that would, that might be your initial thoughts, but how did you feel about it once the movie was going? Uh, one of the things I actually loved about it and, um, uh, my wife found it a little bit annoying is they don't give the ghost away right at the start of the movie. I mean, there is some setup with the talking about what's going on and seeing the, you know, the future as it is. And, but they don't, they don't tell you everything. You don't know exactly what the deal is with the train until much later into the film, which I, I thought was great. Um, I, I don't know that American audiences like have that much patience really. Um, but that was one of the things that I thought was uh, an interesting choice by the director kind of, I mean, really you don't know the whole history behind the train until like the third act of the movie. Yes. And um, you know, I was okay with that though, because it just brought a lot of more mystery to it. And what is this and what's really going on here? So I, I loved the setup. Um, I was very impressed with, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but I, I tend to do this because I'm a visual guy. I'm a photographer as well. But I loved the fact that the movie was very color driven. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, but it started very bleak and black and white almost and this really low color. And as the film progressed, it got progressively more just like intense in its color schemes. I noticed that too. So the premise here, this is it's this huge long train. I don't know if they ever divulge exactly how long the train is, but I mean, it's. 50 cars long at least something like that so basically everybody who's gotten on this train has um survived this uh, apocalypse this mini apocalypse so i guess humankind tries to combat global warming with this experiment uh that experiment goes awry and the only people to survive are the ones who have gotten on this train before this has happened and so over time i guess time has evolved and on this train and, and class system has evolved where um, you're either a lower class person or, you know, middle or upper class person. So the back of the train is the lower class, sort of the slums of this city on wheels. Mm -hmm. And uh, the front of the train is, is the upper class, higher class. So the back of the train is the, the, the more dull colors, as you mentioned, you know, the grays, the greens, the browns, the earth tones. Mm -hmm. And then as, as we make our way towards the front of the train, um, more and more color. You're right. More and more saturation, more and more impressive with the settings themselves, more, you know, more impressive visions from the, you know, the back is just a normal train car with some, uh, maybe some bunk beds or something. But as we, as we go along, um, the settings become more and more intense and like, holy crap, they, how could they even have that on a train? Like yeah. they have an aquarium car at one point in the film. There's a, there's a school car with a with a fully functional classroom, and we'll talk more about that as we get into spoilers. But the movie just kicks off with a bang, and um, it, it starts off with Jamie Bell asking asking Chris Evans, uh, "When are when's the time? Soon, yeah. soon." So you know that these guys are planning to overtake this train, and I think that was a it was an intense setup that kept me guessing and kept me wanting more, and and especially. Every time they would hint at action, they fully delivered on the action. How did you feel that this movie held up not only as a cool sci-fi little dystopian future film, but as, as an action movie? 
Yeah, I really dug the action scenes. I mean, the the director definitely has a way with action. He knows how to how to work it and how to move the camera. And there's some really cool visually visual things in the movie with the action sequence. When you get into the, we're we gonna. I don't know if I want to get into that section yet, but there's a point where they they're told not to open the door and they do, and it's just like it's crazy after that. It's like a good 15, 20 minutes of just butt kicking and even the way it's shot uh the use of light is is fantastic um, i really dug it i thought it was great i i did too it reminded me of sort of i don't know if you saw this movie the raid redemption yes did I'm, you I'm see a, that i did i haven't seen the second one yet and i'm kicking myself for not seeing it but i, I am too it was it was a limited release one and it was only here for about two weeks, I think, and I missed it. It's uh, what were your thoughts on um, the raid? Oh, I love the raid. Yeah, the raid's awesome. Uh, it is probably the most action you're ever going to see in an action movie ever. Uh, I've heard the second one is even better, um, but I haven't you know seen it yet, so I can't say. But the raid was. I mean, I was to watch that like five times on Blu-ray when I got it. It was, and I saw it in a theater um, over at Cinemark, um, and it was fantastic. I love it. Yeah, I've heard that the sequel is is just as good, if not better. Super, super brutal, though. I mean, you got to go in knowing that you're getting an extremely violent movie. And it's just similar in the fact, I mean, this Snowpiercer reminded me of it, just similar in the fact that single location, ton of action. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised that the director here went with an English speaking cast here, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like his movies work well um, with subtitled, you know, and there certainly is subtitles here. There's non English speaking characters. But the host, to me, worked on every level, and I'm just surprised that he went for sort of an American-type movie here, especially one that's not going to see a wide release. Does that make yeah. sense? So Yeah, it does. And I think uh, he kind of stuck to his guns on that, too. I think they were going for a wider release, but um, – what's his name over there at uh, uh, Weinstein uh-huh. yeah. uh, basically said – cut 20 to 30 minutes of it and I'll give you a wide release. And the director said no. So mm, limited, which <laughs> that's laughable. Yeah. <laughs> if you've seen this film and you're listening to this, there's this movie does not drag. There's not, there's not many scenes that you could say, okay, just get on with it already. I mean, this movie is, is for, like I said, from the very beginning, I mean, it's on, you know, the mission is on and uh, it wraps up, you know, in the, in the third act pretty well. We're coming off a weekend with an uh, 165-minute Transformers Age of Extinction film. <laughs> yeah. Does, that, does this make any sense to you? <laughs> no. He just wanted to, from what I read, he wanted to do an action cut of the movie. And the director's like, nope, sticking to my guns. So wow. good on him. Good, good on, on him. him. Yeah. It, was, it was everything that I wanted in, as far as the pacing. But it was really just a, a great satire. Yeah, very much so. And, and I think that's what the director, I don't know if that's what he saw in the graphic novel or what, but it feels like that's what he wanted to make this more than more than just an action movie, more than just a great um, thriller film, sci-fi film. Um, it, it definitely works on multiple levels and uh, as a satire as well. Uh, did you feel that way about it? Did you get any yes, sort of psychological so. feelings toward it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely speaks to you know the class situation in this in in the world really, um, you know because it, it does play 
well for an American audience, but you got to think that there's a, an underlying issue that they're dealing with over in Korea as well that is definitely yeah. worked into the plot. Um, dealing with the dictator and all the situation of having to, you know, live under that situation and how can you make changes and so there's there's definitely some satire to it. Um, and man, what a killer cast! I mean, can you ask for a better cast yeah. for a sci-fi action movie? I mean, ridiculous amount of good people in this movie. Absolutely, Tilda Swinton, by the way, who sort of plays this not dictator. I mean, sort of a dictator, but. I mean, she's ultimately controlled by the higher up, the guy that's running the train, the guy yeah. who who's masterminded this whole operation. She was really uh, unattractive in this. I mean, that's not saying much. It's still the Swinton. I didn't expect her to be attractive, attractive at all, really. But she's oddly like the most feminine she's ever been in like a role <laughs> that's clearly trying to make her look extremely like not attractive and ugly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I had to like double take a couple of times. Like, is that Tilda Swinton? What is, <laughs> who is that? And I love the, I love that they called her sir. The first time you see her, cause yeah. you're kind of like, mm? <laughs> yeah, she was fantastic in this. Yeah. And, she does a great job. Yeah. But she is, she's great in everything, but I mean, top to bottom in this performance accent, even, was great. I mean, just the way she she said these lines. She made this. She made a character out of this role. Oh yeah. That probably wasn't initially in the script. I mean, she definitely took this um, as her own thing and made it original. And that's what you sort of expect, I guess, when you cast her in a film like this. But really cool of her to do this. You know. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And she was great. Great cast, as you mentioned. Uh, what is the actor's name that was in the host? That I mean, is this sort of a favorite of this director? Yeah, he does use him in pretty much every movie he makes. It's a uh, Kang Ho Kang, Kang Ho, Ho song. song. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he was in the whole, he was in the host. He was in um Memories of Murder. I think the only one he wasn't in was Mother. But yeah, he's uh-huh. been in most of his movies. Very, very good actor over there in, in Korea. He's kinda like he's his um I guess he's the equivalent of his De Niro would be like to Scorsese, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. So what did you like uh, about the host before we move on? That's the only other film that I had seen of this director. So I was really impressed with the host as well. Uh, It was a movie that came at a time in 06 when I wasn't super into movies. I mean, I wasn't doing a podcast. I wasn't in film school, anything like that. Wasn't really thinking this critically critical way about films, but it was one that I just kept hearing about. And uh, eventually rented or something like that and was just blown away by how how cool that movie was and i'm surprised it's not bigger than it is you know i think it's if you give it a chance that you'll you'll really enjoy it if you like that type of film so what is your favorite film out of out of his out of his work would the host be it i mean since you're a monster movie guy yeah the host is definitely it for me just because it's it's successful and that it's a monster movie that's not necessarily about the monster um, it's about everything else, and it's very well done. The, the cast is great. Uh, the relationship that the family has um, really lends to uh, lends a depth to the movie that you don't get in a lot of monster movies. And that was that was one of the things I liked about the new Godzilla. To be honest, you know, is that it had that that little bit of character depth that made you care about him. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the host is just a great example of a, a well made monster movie that's not necessarily about the monster. There's a very memorable scene in that that. I mean, I've only seen that movie uh, a couple times, and, and certainly not in the past uh, couple years or so. Very memorable scene where they're in like a park or something, and uh, th- there's this bridge. It's when his daughter first gets taken by the monster. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, just absolutely fantastic. And mm-hmm. I'm surprised this guy hasn't gotten, this director hasn't gotten more 
notoriety or more chances in Hollywood. I, he probably has gotten, you know, they probably approached him to do a film like Godzilla or something like that. But he does, like you mentioned earlier, he sticks to his guns, you know, and I think that's important here. He, he is a very talented, creative visionary. And I just hope he keeps doing stuff like he's, like he's doing right now. But I want to talk about some of our favorite scenes of this. Uh, what was your favorite scene uh, overall? I mean, what, what scene stuck out the most to you um, when you were done? Yeah, that's hard to pick, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's so many great scenes. Just the, the action sequence, um, are we doing spoiler territory already? Or? Yeah, spoilers right okay. now. Okay, so the action sequence, um, pretty much it starts when they open the door and there's like 30 guys there. <laughs> that, yeah. action, that action sequence pretty much for like the next 30, 40 minutes is just fantastic. I mean, it's nonstop. They go from one car to the next and it's just butt kick after butt kick after butt kick of, uh, you know, just great action and intense situations. Um, I really dug um, the the one bad guy. I don't know his name, but they didn't really give him a name in the movie per se, uh, but he was that that you know who i'm talking about yes. that jerk uh, oh frank the, the elder yeah 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 the yeah. the the guy that was the um i guess he's Vlad the assassin Ivanov or whatever yeah. yeah yeah he was fantastic in this and just the the thing with him and chris evans going at each other and and seeing that they're you know they're pretty much on the same level and it's gonna be fun to try and kill you later that was a really cool moment for me yeah that one stuck out to me as well when they the door opens and it's just all this whole posse of guys all in masks with hatchets <laughs> Yeah, facing a group of people that has no weapons and they're basically from the slums, you know, <laughs> and and to break up the scene too, in the middle of an action sequence, you stop. And uh, there's this moment where apparently the train travels um, around the globe. It's a nonstop train that travels uh-huh. around the world. It takes a year to do it. And they're passing over a particular bridge at New Year's. And they stop fighting. And they all kind of, you know, Happy New Year. It's exactly. Just yeah. The yeah. weirdest moment, but it's so great, too. Yeah, yeah. I had that written down, actually, as one of my favorite moments of the film. The fact that you can't tell time on a train like that, you know, you would think time would pass very slowly if you're going that fast for that long. Surely you age at a different rate than you would normally would. Uh, I think the theory of relativity has something to say about that. I'm not going to try and go into specifics about that, but... It's very, very inventive by the director to say, okay, here's how you know it's a uh, time has passed by crossing this certain point of this time of this train track. So my, one of my favorite uh, parts of the film that, that stuck out to me when the Franco, the elder character, he figures out that, that Chris Evans has started to take over this, take over this train. And so they go around this curve, right? <laughs> and, um, I should mention before I mention this scene that the fact that Chris Evans figures out that nobody has bullets in their guns. Mm-hmm. Awesome too. Yeah. Very <laughs> really cool. cool. Really cool little thing. So I guess they figure out later that, that in fact there are bullets, but they're reserved for the higher class. And uh, so when Chris Evans and his crew reach the, the higher class trains, um, of course, bullets fly. And, um, and so they get, closer and closer to the front of this train, AKA the engine room. And they're being chased by this, uh, their nemesis. And they go around this curve and basically they're having a shoot off 
across trains, like on this U shaped track. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's where, where, you know what I'm talking about? Where they're sort of sniping at each other on that U turn. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. This yeah. is just chock full of memorable scenes. I just want to say, so. I don't want to give all of them away. If you're, if you're going this far and haven't seen this film, um, you need to seek it out. It's just chock full of, of great action sequences, but anything you dislike about this movie, Brandon, I had one issue with it, and I didn't notice it until the second time I saw it, and that was that the character of um, Nam, who's supposed to be the guy that's opening the doors for him and everything, um, uh, yeah, who's a who's a prisoner on the train, um, has that moment where he realizes that you know the snow's melting and maybe thing maybe they can live on the outside, and he mentions that every year he looks at this point and sees that the the you know, the plane is a little more visible. And I'm like, wait a minute, isn't he a prisoner? How would he know every year to look in there? Ah, kind of okay. Yeah. Kind of a plot hole for me. Sure. Um, and um, I also wasn't a real big fan of the uh, Matrix Revolutions moment with the, uh, the the party bus, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny you said that. I was like, I was about to say when I was going to mention that part, I was like, it just turns into the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> you know, looking for Neo. Just, in this club I, mean, I, or whatever. I can I can see that you know the class thing with having the lower class people and the middle class and the upper class. Why would you need party class? You yeah, know, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. To me. <laughs> it's just where all the druggies hang out and just yeah, they're they're fine for a year year straight just at a rave. I mean that's all yeah. you do. But it was it was it was a cool scene, you know. Oh, but yeah. it just, it's well one of those leaps leaps of uh you know you're just gonna go ah, I don't know. <laughs> I I like specifically like the setting of the swimming pools. Yeah, the, that was cool. The car that was all swimming pools, and there was just a little path uh, yeah. weaving in between them. I thought that was yeah. a really neat location, too. Such great production design here. Very I'm surprised so. it's not getting more recognition um, right now for the production design. I mean, there's only so much you can do with a train, you would think. But the the fact that this is a, a futuristic film uh, lends itself to a lot of creativity. And I feel like it paid off in all aspects on that front. But with me, the only issue I had... And once again, we are in spoilers here. We get to the engine room, and it's Ed Harris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy, it's just funny. I didn't know he was in this movie. And then we get to the the mastermind. You're like, oh, Ed Harris? Wow, that's a surprise. He, he's in a lot of roles like this. Um, yeah, he does. Kristoff from Truman Show, the Apollo 13 commander. So, I mean, it's it seems a little like he's typecast for this type of role, if that's even possible. You know? Yeah, not kidding. <laughs> How do you feel about his character in, in that setup? I, I th- you know, he's a good actor, and I'm not going to fault him for, for the performance at all. But, yeah, it, it was one of those, like, oh, Come on, it's that guy again. Also, Mission Control and Gravity too. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a little funny, uh, and it was, I guess, sort of a, an homage to American films. Uh, yeah. You know, like he was like, "Who can play this role? Is Ed Harris available? Oh, he <laughs> is. Okay, let's get him." You know. Yeah. But who, who would you rather have seen? Oh, I don't know. I, I I'm just I just thought that was funny. I'm not complaining <laughs> about his performance. I think he does a great job. In that type of role, you know, especially in this, it reminded me of Kristoff the most from the Truman Show, the way yeah. he explains why this is the way it is and stuff like that. It just, it made a lot of sense to me um, when we got there. Chris Evans as a character really grew throughout this film. I really enjoyed his performance a lot. I just want to reiterate that. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave more than just a Marvel type performance, um, specifically when they almost get to the end, uh, they get to the engine room, I mean, and... He's having a conversation with Nam, 
and they're talking about their lives on this 18-year train that they've been on, and Nam gives them the last cigarette on Earth <laughs> mm-hmm. and yep. lets him smoke it, and then Chris Evans just gives this monologue about his whole life and how messed up it's been, and, and he divulges details about the messed up things he's done, how he's eaten a person, you know, how right when they got on this train, they basically ate people, like the weak ones were the first to go. Yeah. And just a, a fantastic performance there alone by, by Chris Evans. Yeah, he was crying much. and stuff. I never thought he had that in him, really. Yeah, so. it's kind of heartbreaking, that little moment there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, was, it was really sad. It almost had me choked up. <laughs> and as a, you know, and I had to think, from Nam was probably just looking at him going, uh, you going to smoke that thing or what? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's burning. It's burning <laughs> as he's crying. No. So what were your, some closing thoughts on Snowpiercer? Closing thoughts. Octavia Spencer, Oscar <laughs> winner. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was fine in this. Yeah, she was good. Yeah. She was good. Uh, no, I mean, I, it's a great movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to recommend it as many times as I did the host. And if you haven't seen the host, it's uh, streaming on Netflix. Um, you can probably get it on Amazon Prime as well. Yeah. Um, check out, if you haven't seen Mother, check out Mother. That's a great movie by the same director. And uh, Memories of Murder, also very good. I will do that. And I want to thank you for being on here. And other than uh, the Clipso Cigar Review, where can we find you on the internet? Man, I am all over the place on the Clipso Cigar Review. <laughs> okay. You can find me, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Captain Funky Pants, which is weird, but it's uh, C-A-P-T-N Funky Pants. And you can find me on Clipso Cigar Review on iTunes and Spotomatic and Stitcher and all those places. Thank you again, Brandon, for being here. On that note, Brandon, until next time, I'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye, sir.